and they hear the gospel preached, and all of a sudden they said, my Lord, this is, this is God Almighty. This is Jesus, God manifest in flesh. This is Emmanuel, God with us. Jesus was God with us. Man, what a revelation that is. And you confess that, it, Lord, not only did you come to save us, you're the creator of the universe, you're the creator of the earth, you're the creator of everything in the world, and then you came among us, you know? You sent your only, the God so loved the world that he sent his only begotten son. The son is the flesh. God is the spirit, praise the Lord. God is a spirit. Amen. Jesus Christ was spirit and he was flesh. As spirit, he was almighty God. As flesh, he was man. He was man, praise the Lord, who was among us and lived with us. So Jesus Christ was, was the God-man. He was all God and he was all man. Praise the Lord. Excuse me. <coughs> so that when he came to this world, praise the Lord, Jesus Christ was the mighty God incarnated in flesh, and yet he never assisted him, his flesh with the power of the spirit that was in him. He could have done so. That's why Satan said, if you be the son of God, turn these stones into bread. That's why Satan tempted him, because he wanted him to use his power for himself. And the Lord said, get behind me, Satan. You know, thou shalt, you know, thou shalt not that may live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Satan tempted him three times when he was in that wilderness for 40 days. He fasted 40 days and 40 nights. Incidentally, there's only been three people that's ever gone 40 days without food or water. Jesus, Moses, when he went up on Mount Sinai, and Elijah, when he revisited Sinai one time. Now, I'll move on here, but I just want to say this to all of us. This is confessing the Lord. And whenever a person comes to the Lord... And they say, Jesus is our Savior. Hallelujah. And this is what Israel failed to do. And this is what the Gentiles, when they heard it, they did do. Excuse me. <coughs> the reason I got a little cough this morning. <coughs> this is what the Gentiles realized that was truth. And they did that and they obeyed that and they followed that. So that the word was nigh unto them. It was even in your mouth. And the Lord said to Israel, Israel, it's going to be right in your mouth. If you'll say it, if you'll declare it, if you'll declare who he is, testify the Lord, it'll be that there for you. Praise the Lord. And they never would as a nation. Now, as individuals, of course, they did. So he goes on to say here, if you believe in your heart, confess with your mouth everything that you will obtain under this salvation I'm going to uh, turn the page over to verse 13, and this is sort of a continuation, sort of a, a cap, a, sort of a capping it all, all up. 13 says, for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. So there it is. It's even there in your mouth. And the Jews had instructions in the word of God that when you want to get back to God, all you got to do is call on him, call on him. That's all they have to do today. But you know what the problem is? They don't believe Jesus Christ is the Messiah. And when you don't believe the Jesus Christ is the Messiah, how can you call on him and how can you confess him? The first chapter of the book of Revelations, it talks about John saying, I had the testimony of Jesus Christ. What's the testimony of Jesus Christ? I know who you are, Jesus. You're the mighty God of heaven. Not only that, but you're the Messiah. You're the Savior of the world. Praise God. Uh, one of the... Uh, 
cla classical music, pieces of music that I like, is uh, Handel's, uh, is, is his triumphant march, is the ha Hallelujah March. You, you all heard the Hallelujah, uh, you know, I guess you have. Hallelujah, Hallelujah, it's the, it's the, it's the final part of uh, Handel's uh, piece of music. And uh, whenever he wrote that, it went from Paris and it went to Berlin and it was going all through Europe. And uh, they were making music and it came to England. Listen to this, folks. It came to England and the king was there at present and he heard it. And when they came to the Hallelujah Chorus and they started singing the Hallelujah Chorus, the king stood up in honor to God. And it was all about Jesus. This, this, this piece of Handel's music was all about Jesus. This classic. And everything. And the king stood up and everybody looked around and said, oh my God, the king's standing. Let's all, and everybody in the place stood up. And to this day, it is customary that in, in audiences of that nature, when the, the hallelujah chorus is sung, that everybody stands up. And it's all in honor to God because a king did that. Praise God. And I'm telling you, folks, there's something about honoring the Lord and praising God and lifting him up high that God will always honor. That's why when we come to church, don't sit on your thumbs. Praise the Lord. Lift up your hands. Worship God. Glorify the Lord. God loves our praise because he is worthy of our praise. Our praise belongs to him, not to another. The fact we're sitting here and breathing and our hearts are beating and we're alive and we can think and see and feel and know and everything that goes with all of that. The fact we could walk in here this morning, the fact we woke up this morning, praise God. The fact that we are in existence here, we owe him all the praise because all life, all existence comes from almighty God. Everything comes from him. Praise the Lord. So he is worthy of our praise and you can't praise him enough. Amen. And if we praise God, glorify him, God will always exalt his people and lift us up. I want to refer you also in, in this 10th chapter to verse 17. So that faith cometh by hearing. Here's an interesting thing. We're talking about faith. So then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And it's not just hearing anything, but it's hearing by the word of God. But faith comes by hearing. Let me just say one word to all of us here today. Don't let church be a second thing in your life. Go to the house of God. Because faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Whether it's the teacher in the pulpit as I am here this morning or whether it's the evangelist in the pulpit or whether it's the pastor preaching, whether it's our assistant pastor or, or, or any of the other assistants that we have that are ministering the word of God, that, fa that word will bring faith in our hearts. Now listen to me, you can come to church sometimes and you can be down and you can be discouraged. You can be heartbroken and things are just not going good out there. And you think to yourself, I'm, I'm trying, what's the use? I'm, I'm just, I feel, you know, whatever. And you can come to the house of God and you can have the word of God preached. And all of a sudden you say, Lord, I believe in you. God will put faith in your heart, but it comes by the word of God. That's why church is so important. And the very service that you miss, the one that you said, you know, I don't think I'm going today. The one that you miss is probably the one that you needed the most. Amen. But this, the devil was able to keep you home. You know, oh, I just, I'm tired or whatever, or the easy chair felt good or, 
or I was so busy yesterday, I just didn't, wasn't able to get it all together for today. Whatever the excuse or the reason is, but if we can be in the house of God, praise the Lord, even though your faith might be down some, it's like a, getting your battery charged, amen. You can hear the word of God and you say, you know what, God is faithful, amen. So faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Faith is always by the word of God. Not just believing what I want to believe, but faith is by the word of God. And then uh, he goes on to say here, look very closely here. He's, he's leading up to this thing about Israel. So he says in verse 18, but I say, have they not heard? He's talking about Israel here now. Hasn't Israel heard? You know, he's, he just got through saying, and then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. But then he said, but I say, have they not heard Israel? Hasn't Israel heard the word? And they go, yes, verily, their sound went into all the earth and their words into the ends of the world. In other words, Israel did hear the word. It came to them. But I say, did not Israel know? Yes, Israel know. First Moses said, I will provoke you to jealousy by them that are no people. And by a foolish nation, I will anger you. Speaking of the Gentiles that would rise up and believe where they would not believe. But Isaiah is very bold. Verse 20, Isaiah is very bold and said, I was found of them that sought me not, talking about the Gentiles. I was made manifest unto them that asked not after me. But to Israel, he saith, all day long I have stretched forth my hands unto a disobedient and gainsaying people. And the Lord is saying here, Israel, I tried and tried and tried and tried to bring you unto me, but you would not come. You would not believe. You would not accept. You would not receive and so forth. And we could spend many hours on the uh, studying the gospels where Jesus came and taught and said and so forth. And we could see a lot of things, but the word of God, praise the Lord, just did not fulfill their lives and come into their hearts as the Lord would have them to know it. So Israel, they heard, they knew, but they rejected Jesus Christ, praise the Lord. And yet, if they had, a, if they had received Jesus, Many of them could have been saved and could have lived because Jesus had the answer to what they needed. Even then, even then he did. Now I want you to go with me to Luke chapter 21. I want to show you something. When Jesus was still ministering, when Jesus was still ministering to the people, he was, his earthly ministry he had not yet been crucified and had not yet ascended, uh, been resurrected and ascended into glory and the church launched and so forth. When he was in his earthly ministry, this is what Jesus said concerning the Jewish people. Here's what he said, and he's preaching to them. Verse 20, I'm going to pick it up in verse 20 here. 2120, this is a portion of prophecy that Jesus was giving. And he was talking here about the destruction of the temple that was on its way, that was coming. Follow me very closely with this. Uh, he said that when you shall see Jerusalem, this is Jesus teaching the Jewish people in his earthly ministry. And this would be about uh, probably 20, 28, 29 A.D., right along in that date period of time. And uh, this destruction came in 70 A.D. It came about uh, 20, what's, uh, 50 years later. So here's what it says here in 20. When you shall see Jerusalem compassed with armies, then know that the desolation thereof is nigh. Did I say 50? I meant 40. Excuse me. My math was off. <laughs> All right, everybody with me. 
pardon me, I'm distracting myself. Verse 20, and when ye shall see Jerusalem compassed with armies, then know that the desolation thereof is nigh or near. The desolation is near. When you see Jerusalem compassed with armies. This is what Jesus is telling the Jewish people. Those that believed said, Jesus said that, I believe in Jesus, therefore I'm going to listen to what he has to say. Those who did not believe Jesus said, I don't believe a word he's saying. I don't believe what he's doing. I don't believe what he's saying. It doesn't, you know, it's, so they didn't believe. They didn't believe in it. And it goes, well, here's what he went on to say. He says that the desolation thereof is near. Then let them which be in Judea flee to the mountains and let them which are in the midst of it depart out and let them which are in the countries thereof enter therein. For these be the days of vengeance that all things which are written may be fulfilled. But woe unto them that are with child and to them that give suck in those days for there shall be great distress in the land and wrath upon this people, the Jewish, the Jewish people. And look at verse 24. And they, the Jews, shall fall by the edge of the sword and shall be led away captive into all nations. And Jerusalem shall be trodden down of the Gentiles until the times of the Gentile be fulfilled. Shall be trodden down of the Gentiles. And Jesus prophesied of their destruction. It was coming. And the Jews said, what? You talking about destroying the temple? No way. This temple has just been built. This temple hasn't been built too long. <coughs> they were in the process of, of uh, rebuilding and restructuring it for, for long periods of time. And so, and you're telling us the temple is going to be, we don't believe that. We're not buying that. We, we, don't, we don't believe that. And so they rejected that. And therefore, when the Roman armies came, starting in about 66, 67, with Vespasian, he was the general who led the Roman army into northern Israel. And he began to move down and he would conquer one town and one village in Galilee and then in Samaria, one at a time. And he did it so he would give Jerusalem a chance to say, well, okay, we surrender, we see what you're doing. But Jerusalem, instead of doing that, they began to fortify themselves and get stronger and said, the Romans are coming, we're gonna brace for it because God is going to give us the victory. They did not believe Jesus Christ. You understand what I'm saying? They did not believe Jesus. But the Jewish, the, the uh, Christian Jews did believe. And whenever this period of time came, came, the Christian Jew says, okay, here comes the Roman army, it's time to get out. It's time to get out of here. And so they did, they got out. This is a, a little map I'm gonna give you up here on the board. Uh, this is, uh, the map of Palestine, it'll clear up. It'll come on here. You'll see it in a moment. Okay, there it is. And uh, this, is, this is Judea. This is Samaria. This area over here is called Perea. This is Galilee. I'm sorry, this, and this is Cappadocia here. Right in here, just, just south of the Sea of Galilee, and here's the Dead Sea down here. This is the Jordan River in between. Just south of the Sea of Galilee is a town over in the Perean side over here called Pella. Now you can't see it too well, that one, so I have blown that portion of this map up. This right in here, I've sort of blown it up. This is the way it looks. 
if it's blown up. Can you see a little better? All right, here's the Sea of Galilee here. Jerusalem is uh, way on down south of here. And here is the town of Pella. This is where the church of Jerusalem went to in 62 AD. They said it's time to get out. And folks, there were no Christians left in Jerusalem when the Roman armies finally came against Jerusalem. You know why? Because they believed Jesus. I'm just saying the Lord said it's going to happen here in, verse, in, in Luke 21. He told the Jews that it's going to happen. But they said, we don't believe that. This is where I'm saying that believing is so essential. You've got to believe the words of the Lord. And everything to do with life, salvation, and even happiness in life has to do with us believing the word of God. If we can believe the word of the Lord, I'm going to tell you a little thing I do a lot, just to me personally. This is just me doing it, okay? You know, bishops can get away with a lot of stuff. And if you're 80, 81 years old, you get away even other stuff too, you know, because you're old and everybody thinks you're a little bit dumb anyhow. You're too old to even contend with. But I'll see a, I'll see a guy or even a, a young lady. You know what I'll say to him? I'll say, take good care of your mother. My mother? Do you know my mother? Why do you say that? You know, I just say, take good care of your mother. No, usually mothers outlive fathers. That's why I say that. You take good care of your mother. You know, I said that your days may be long on the earth. That's the fifth commandment of the Ten Commandments. Deuteronomy chapter 5, also, and also in Exodus chapter 20. It tells all the Ten Commandments. The fifth commandment is, and it's the, it's the first commandment with promise. And it says, honor your mother and your father that your days may be long on the earth. I said, take good care of your mother so you can live a long time. And sometimes I'll give them the scripture, you know, I'll just give them the verse of scripture. Read that verse, you know. And I don't know, maybe somebody will. Maybe some, some older person will start being treated better. I don't know. But I'm doing it because it's the word of God. It's the word of God. Praise the Lord. Treat your mom and dad nice. And the Bible says that you'll be given a longer life. I, I'll leave it there. It's in the word of God. Do you believe the word or do we not believe the word? You know? So what I'm trying to say here with Jesus is that they had to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ for this all to take place and all this to happen. And then when they didn't, of course, the Roman armies eventually came right on down into Jerusalem and they surrounded Jerusalem. And, and it was not Vespasian. Vespasian was the, the uh, father of Titus. And he was the general that was leading this army and just some, just months, maybe six months before they came against Jerusalem, Vespasian got a call from Rome. And the Roman Senate says, come back to Rome. Uh, the, uh, the emperor here has died. Uh, he's, he's dead now, committed, you know, he's committed suicide and everything. And so come on back and uh, we want you to be emperor. So Vespasian went back to Rome to become emperor of Rome. And he said to his young son named Titus, he says, you take over the army and you take it on down and finish out this war with, with the Jews and conquer Jerusalem. And his son says, I will. And uh, I want you to go with me to, over to the book of Daniel. This was all prophesied in Daniel. Daniel prophesied of, of it uh, 500 years before it happened. I'm looking here in Daniel chapter 
9 and verse 26. There's a lot here to be looked at, but this is one portion of it. Daniel 9, 26. Very interesting verse of scripture. And this is where he's saying that 70 weeks are determined upon that. Weeks of years. In other words, from a certain time whenever they'd go back to rebuild the, rebuild the temple in 536 B.C. until uh, until the coming of Christ. It was prophesied here how long it would be. And it says, and after three score and two weeks, I won't go into detail on the weeks, and this is a study in itself. It's a very good study. Verse 26, and after three score and two weeks, shall Messiah be cut off, which tells us that the Messiah is going to be killed. It's right here in the scriptures. It says the Messiah shall be cut off, but not for himself. Not for himself. Now stay with me. I got you. I got you hanging out here on a limb. Stay with me. In Isaiah 53 is a is a is a scripture. I I don't even think I've got it marked here. Uh, yeah, I'll find it very quickly. Here in Isaiah 53, it talks about it. It says that uh, verse six: All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to 53 six. I'm reading in Isaiah now. Turned everyone to his own way, and the Lord hath laid on him the iniquity of us all. This is a prophecy of Jesus' coming. Verse 7, and he, he, uh, he was oppressed and he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. He is brought as a lamb to the slaughter. That means the Messiah is going to be killed. And as his sheep before his shears is dumb, he opened not his mouth. And look at verse 8. He was taken from prison and from judgment. And who shall declare his generation? For he was cut off. That means killed. Out of the land of the living for the transgression of his people was he stricken. Verse 9, and he made his grave. That means he was killed with the wicked and with the rich. Joseph Arimathea is the one that gave Jesus the tomb in which he was buried. And, he, and Jesus gave it back. Anything you give to God, he always gives back. Remember that. That's for free. <laughs> I threw that out. Amen. And with the rich he, in his death, because he had done no violence, neither was there any disease in his mouth. He goes on to talk about uh, him, you know, death, and I won't read other verses of Scripture. So in Daniel, when he says this, in verse, he's prophesying, verse 26, and after three score and two weeks shall Messiah be cut off. Same thing that Isaiah had said, but the Jews did not believe that Jesus or the Messiah would ever die, and they didn't want to believe that, but not for himself. That is for our iniquity, but Daniel doesn't say that. It's in Isaiah. And the people of the prince that shall come, the prince is Titus, the people of the prince that shall come. It didn't say the general that should come because it was turned over to Vespasian's son, Titus. And Titus brought the army in. He was the prince. He was the son of the emperor at that time. And the people of the prince that shall come shall destroy the city and the sanctuary. They're going to do it. This is a prophecy of what Jesus was talking about in Luke 21. This temple is going to be destroyed. And Jesus knew it because he was almighty God, but he also could know it because it was prophesied in Daniel. And he was telling them, and this is going to all be destroyed. And so he says, whenever you see the army compassing the city, then know it's not because it's right here in Daniel chapter 20, 926. And he goes on to say, they shall destroy the city and the sanctuary. The end thereof shall be with a flood. And unto the end of the war, desolations are determined. And that's why in, in the book of Luke, he says in that very 20th verse, 2120, and when you shall see Jerusalem compassed with armies, then know that the desolation thereof is nigh or near. And he's talking about, Jesus is about Luke 9, 26. 
I'm trying to tell you, folks, that it was in the Word of God. That's why Jesus said, search the Scriptures, for in them you think you have eternal life, for they are they which testify of me. He says, I come in the volume of the books, the volume of the book. Every book, everything speaks of me. It speaks of me. And the older I get and the more I study the Word of God, especially Scriptures and Psalms and, and prophecy of the Old Testament, the more I see Jesus being mentioned in a very, very almost hidden fashion. But all of a sudden I said, oh my goodness, this is speaking of Jesus. So I'll write Jesus Christ in the margin. I go through some of my scriptures now and I see Jesus Christ on the margin, Jesus Christ on the margin, all over the place because as many said, you know, he was, his hands and his feet were pierced. In the Old Testament, in Zechariah chapter 14, his hands, 13, his hands and his feet were pierced. That's Jesus, praise the Lord. That's speaking about him. I was wounded in the house of my friends. That's Zechariah. It's there, you know. All through the scriptures you read it, just like Isaiah 53. You know, you can, you, Jesus was on the cross. He said, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani, which is being interpreted, and the Bible says that, and it, speak, it speaks to him in, in that language. That's pure Hebrew. Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani. And he said, being interpreted is, my God, my God, why has thou forsaken me? And he said that on the cross. They didn't know what he was saying. They said, is he calling on Eli? This was the Jews who were saying, the Jewish priests. Who's he calling on Eli? You know what he was doing? He was quoting from Psalms 22. Read Psalms 22, 1. My God, my God, why has thou forsaken me? And when it was written, it was written in pure Hebrew. Because in the New Testament, they did not speak pure Hebrew. They spoke Aramaic. They spoke Greek and Aramaic. And then in the governmental things, they spoke the, they spoke the, the, the Latin language, which was Romans. So I'm just pointing out to you here that Jesus, praise God, Jesus himself, uh, whenever he, he was on the cross, he spoke of Psalms 22, and he used those first words, my God, my God, why has thou forsaken me? Because Jesus died on the cross as a sinner, because, not that he was a sinner, he knew no sin. Jesus had no sins. But he took your sins and my sins upon himself. And he died that as a man that did not, that was a sinner, as he would die without God. My God, my God, why has thou forsaken me? And so it's spoken in pure Hebrew. And even those Jewish priests who knew Aramaic, but they did not know pure Hebrew. Now they do teach pure Hebrew at the University of, uh, University of uh, Hebrew University there in Jerusalem. But they speak pure Hebrew. They, they, do it, they do it now, but they did not do it in the early days, uh, days of Christ. And he spoke that. That's why they didn't know what he was saying. But when you read Psalms 22 back in the Old Testament, my God, my God, why is that for a second? And you start reading through there. It's all about the crucifixion of Jesus. It, every detail, every description, everything is all about. What I'm trying to tell you here today, folks, is that they were without excuse. The word of God, praise the Lord, was before their eyes. And that's why Jesus said, search the scriptures for in them you think you have eternal life. For they are they which testify of me. Hallelujah. And I'm just telling, trying to t tell you here today. That's why when Jesus got up in that synagogue and he read that he was in Nazareth. And he got up in that synagogue and he read from the word of God uh, in, in the scriptures. And uh, everything, and he laid light the book aside. It was all about himself, and he laid the book in, and everybody stood there with their mouths open. Man, 
is this, is this, is this the Messiah? Is he talking about himself? Is not this, is this not Mary and Joseph's son? And is this not the carpenter? You know, I, we can't believe he's the Messiah. He's just a carpenter, you know. And so they would not believe him. I'm just trying to point out to you here how the Jews stumbled over the stumbling stone. And the Bible talks about that in the scriptures. The stumbling stone. When they built the temple, there was a big stone that was brought. And this is true. This is history. And they were building the temple and they kept stumbling. They said, move this big thing out of the way. Move this thing over here. We're trying to build the temple. And finally they said, hey, where's the, you know, where's that? We needed, we should have had a big cornerstone right in here. Well, it was sitting right here all the time, but you kept stumbling over trying to put something else there. And he went on to say that this is what happened with Israel as a nation. They stumbled over the stumble, the stumbling stone, Jesus Christ, the chief's corner stone. Praise the Lord. You understand what we're saying? You and I are parts of the building. And in fact, the Bible uses that in a symbolic fashion. We are part of the structure. We are we're the church. Praise the Lord. Each one of us are part of that. Praise God. Let me move on here. I want you to look with me very quickly. And uh, I've uh, only got a few minutes here. I want you to look with me uh, here in uh, the 11th chapter. This is where, where we're going with this in the book of Romans. Romans chapter 11. And he makes this statement. He says here, I say then hath God cast away his people. Hath God cast away his people. God forbid, for I am also an Israelite, the seed of Abraham, of the tribe of Benjamin. If you ever want to know Paul's pedigree, uh, he's of the tribe of Benjamin. Verse 2, God hath not cast away his people. God's not through with them. And the 11th chapter here deals with the restoration of Israel. And it talks a little bit about ourselves. Look down in verse 7 very quickly with me. What then? Israel hath not obtained that which she seeketh for, that is, the New Testament salvation, but the election have obtained it and the rest were blinded. The election are the Christian Jews that were saved and the rest were blinded. They were blinded. Now, how is it that they were blinded? You know, how is it that they could be blinded and so forth? Uh, I want you to look with me in the second Corinthians three, just for a moment here. Second Corinthians three. I want to read a verse of scripture to you. This is Paul talking. This is 313. Everybody still with me? I haven't lost you, have I? I've been jumping around a lot. I don't see, I don't see a lot of enthusiasm. Stay with me on this. Okay. All right. And not as Moses, this is 313 of 2 Corinthians, and not as Moses, which put a veil over his face that the children of Israel could not steadfastly look to the end of that which is abolished. Moses, when he came down off the mountain, the children of Israel could not look on him. He was so bright because he had been in the presence of God and he had received the Ten Commandments. And they put, put a veil over his face where they could look at him but not see his face. But verse 14, but their, their minds were blinded for until this day remaineth the same veil untaken away. He's speaking of it as a spiritual factor here now. In the reading of the Old Testament, in other words, even the Old Testament, they do not perceive that it speaks of Jesus Christ. And the reading of the Old Testament, which veil is done away in Christ. But even unto this day, when Moses had read, the veil is upon their hearts. Nevertheless, when it, that is Israel, when it shall turn to the Lord, when Israel shall turn to the Lord, the veil shall be taken away. 
Everybody with me on that? In other words, Israel will turn to the Lord one day and it shall be taken away. I'm jumping very quickly over here to tie this in with us. Verse chapter four and verse three. But if our gospel be hid, is hid to them that are lost in whom the God of this world hath blinded. The God of this world. Now Israel is blinded as a nation, but they've been blinded by the God of this world. The minds of them which believe not lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. And so the light of God could shine unto them, but they have been blinded by the God of this world. Now, folks, hear me very closely on this. It does not say God's, G-O-D, it's a little G. It does not say G-O-D-S. That would be like uh, all kind of pagans, pagan gods. Israel was not into that at this time. But they were blinded by the God, little G, and one, one God, that's the devil, that's Satan. Now, I'm going to tell you what the sin of Satan is. The sin of Satan is self-exaltation. It's lifting up yourself. It's the desire to be lifted up. It's the desire to be exalted. Satan wanted to be exalted. That's why he's thrown out of heaven. He wanted to be as great as God or bigger than God. And he is full of himself. Can I just use that fashion? And that's what he tempts us with in this world. This is the spirit of the world. This is the spirit of the day. This is the, you know, the Bible said, love not the world, neither the spirit of the world. You know, uh, love the, you know, it says the love of the Father is not in them. Uh, the spirit of the world, lust of the flesh, lust of the eye, the pride of life. These are not of the Father, but of the world. The spirit of the world. What is that? That's that self-exaltation. Any sport event is all about one guy being better than the other. It's all that way. I'm just giving you facts here. Boxing match, one tries to beat the other. You remember when you were kids, especially you guys, you girls may not have played this, but the guy, king of the mound, you, ever, you know, you find a heel, you take a bunch of kids, all they need is a heel, and they got a game going. King of the mound. And whoever can stand on the mound the longest, he's the king, and everybody else trying to pull him down. You, you're up there, and you push, you push, you push, and finally you stand up there, and all of a sudden, somebody's grabbed you, and you're down, you know, and you go, but it's all about each, each one of us trying to be the king of the mountain. Well, this thing is that way with the human, human nature. And we're all trying to be, except that's why, these, that's why there's so much meanness in the world. You don't think Hitler wasn't trying to be the king of the mountain? I mean, he tried to be the boss of Europe. He was mean, cruel. You don't think uh, Alexander the Great wasn't trying to be that? You don't think Napoleon wasn't trying to be that? You don't think Genghis Khan wasn't trying to be that? You know, They were trying to be you know, big somewhat, you know? That's what's wrong with the political system of our nation right now. That stuff is going on, you know, everybody wants to be, and I'm just trying to say that's not the spirit of Christ. I'm giving you facts here. And so the Bible here says here, and this is what God in Israel, that God, the little g, of this world hath blinded the minds of them which believe not. In other words, they wanted the Messiah to be, they wanted the way they wanted him to be. Not the way the scripture said he would be, but they wanted him to be the way they wanted him to be. They wanted to be exalted. They wanted to be the chief priest. They wanted to be the big guy. They wanted to be, and everybody is trying to fit themselves into that. And this is that spirit of the age of the spirit. And it all is following the God, the little G, God of this world. And which is the which is, which is Satan and the image of Satan. It goes on to say here, 
that uh, if we follow Christ, it says if they had followed the way of the Lord, it says lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine in their hearts because Christ gives light, true light, spiritual light. Verse six says, for God who commanded the light to shine out of darkness has shined in their hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. And all these things is to let us know that they could have been saved had they not followed the God of this world. I'm gonna read a verse of scripture to you in John just very quickly here. And I know my time's running out. Bear with me for a couple of minutes. Chapter 12 of John, verse 37. But though he had done many miracles before them, Jesus Christ is speaking of here. Yet they believed not on him. Verse 42, nevertheless, among the chief rulers, look at this, among the chief rulers also many believed on him. There were a lot of chief rulers of Israel that believed on Jesus, but because of the Pharisees, they did not confess him. There goes that word confessing. He is the Christ. He's the Messiah. Hey, everybody, this is Jesus. He's the one. He's the one God promised. They didn't confess it. They were quiet about it like Nicodemus who came by night. The only time Nicodemus shows up again in the scriptures is when Jesus died on the cross and he helped Joseph of Arimathea take him down off the cross and bury him. That's the only time Nicodemus ever showed up again. He was a disciple secretly hiding. Here's why. It says that there were so many that believed him, but because of the Pharisee, they did not confess him, lest they should be put out of the synagogue. Put out of the synagogue. For they love the praise of men more than the praise of God. And so that was, they were following the God of this world and not the almighty God. I'm telling you folks, it takes something to live for God. It does. It takes something to live for God. And that is just saying, God, I believe your word. I believe your truth. I believe your salvation. I'm going to hold fast to it, Lord. I'm not going to give up. And uh, it goes on to tell us here, and I'm going to get a little further into this 11th chapter and take us eventually Next week, we're going to go into the book of Revelation a little bit from the 11th chapter. But it is a powerful chapter in the book of Romans about the restoration of Israel because God has not cast away his people. He's got something good in store for them. They were at that time, and they lost out with God. And when Paul was writing that in Romans, the temple had not yet been destroyed. But he knew it was coming. It was coming. But thank God you and I have received a salvation by the grace of God I never deserved it. You and I together, we never deserved it, but God was so good to us and he loved us and by his mercy and grace, we have what we have. Let's stand together and let's just lift our hands together and worship and glorify God and praise him. Would you praise God with me right now? Jesus, we love you so much, God. We praise your name. We thank you for salvation, the gospel and truth. Bless this congregation here this morning. Bless the morning service. We praise and glorify you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.